I want to welcome everyone to the very first episode of my new podcast, Chambers Talks, a podcast series with John Chambers. It's exciting today to kick off this session with my good friend. Antonio, it is an honor to have you on the set today. It's a chance for me to interview you. Very often on our fireside chats, you've interviewed me. Uh, I trust you completely. I love what you're doing with HPE and the direction you're taking them. If we can just have a conversation today in terms of what's on your mind and perhaps lessons in leaderships, uh, the challenges that we all face, etc., and if it's all right, let me jump right in. Is that Sure. Okay? Well, thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, start with the most basic. All of us know we have to reinvent ourselves uh, and that companies who don't reinvent and don't disrupt get left behind. Walk me through what you're doing at HPE because I've watched it from the outside and I love the changes you're making. Can you kind of articulate that for the audience and how difficult is it to change a culture, especially a very strong culture that's been so successful in the past? Well, um, first of all, um, I have to say it's an incredible honor to lead an iconic company with uh, brand Hewlett and Packard. Obviously, is is a privilege, and and you and I get to do this, you know, in a world where you know it's very unlikely that you get to get to do this job. Um, and so, for me, it's an incredible responsibility. When I became CEO almost uh, two and a half years ago now, mm-hmm. I established three key priorities for myself. One is our customers and partners, because they are the North Star. Two is our innovation, and three is the culture. And I said, you know, I will put a A-plus in the culture, um, you know, a B-plus in innovation, um, and then a A in customer reach and improvement. But as we have seen in the last four months, we are living, you know, a difficult time with the, um, the events we have seen with the pandemic. And what it has taught me is that while we had a clear vision and strategy for the company to become the edge to cloud platform as a service company, now we have to do it faster than I ever imagined to. Because the reality is what it has proven is that our vision was right and our strategy is spot on. But now it's all about executing it faster than ever imagined. And so for me, it's all about taking um, the opportunity that an unfortunate event this has created and catch this market in transition because of the challenge we've seen and what those trends are. First is that the edge will become massively, massively distributed. Agreed. You and I talked about that, talk about what that opportunity looks like, how we bring the cloud to where the data is created. That's a significant opportunity. How we power this new remote workforce that is obviously is going to be totally different than you and I imagined before. In fact, I believe in, in at HPE, probably 50% of the employees uh, probably will never come back to an office to do their regular job. Um, you know, our offices will change forever, you know, in the way we provide the space to collaborate, to innovate in, in, in ways we haven't imagined before. And then you and I had this conversation about becoming more digitally native in mm-hmm. everything we do. Because fundamentally, unless you are digitally enabled, you're not going to be able to compete and win in the marketplace. That's a fact. When you think about uh, one of those three elements, innovation, uh, innovation 20 years ago in the Silicon Valley was about do-it-yourself. Yep. And at Cisco, we kind of rewrote the textbooks about do-it-yourself or acquire. You are rewriting the textbook in part by how you strategically partner with small companies. 
How do you think about that? And how do you, as an innovative company, get a culture that also innovates faster with a startup that might get there a little bit quicker than, than you have for whatever combination of reason? Your thoughts on yeah. that? And, and what led yeah. you to this conclusion? Well, I, I started by thinking how innovation really works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in my view, innovation comes in three forms. Organic innovation, obviously, a dollar spent um, from our balance sheet is a better return for shareholders. But the fact of the matter is you can't innovate everything yourself. Second is obviously um, inorganic innovation. You, you have been a, an amazing um, uh, leader in driving, you know, almost 200 acquisitions because you thought you needed to bring different thinking, different talent, and different IP to continue to do what you were doing at the time when you were at Cisco. But I think now is a third leg of the stool, which is the partnership and making uh, calculated bets and, and, and taking a, a more risk-oriented approach in smaller companies where you can partner with them or you can make investments to allow them to do what they are great at it, which is driving disruption, driving new architectures, and then be able to grow with them um, as you see this market in transitions. And this is an example of what you and I are doing together with Pensando. We have a, a common vision of the, what the future looks like mm-hmm. in a significant distributed world where we can bring the cloud to the edge to democratize it for everybody, to deliver outcome way faster than we ever imagined from the data understanding uh, and the way we process that data through the network um, in a much more efficient architecture, by the way, in an open uh, autonomous way, because obviously we can use technology like AI uh, to automate everything. And that to me is how we think about innovation, right? So we as HP embrace that. We embrace it from the beginning. But I think now under my leadership, we are driving it much more aggressive than ever before. And I learned this from my predecessor, Meg, which yes. was uh, an, an advocate of this. Uh, and sometimes it goes against the principle of cultures, right? Say, well, if you um, make that company bigger, right, it's going to be uh, backfiring on you. And I don't believe that. And neither Meg believed that at the time. We believe, actually, we both are going to win, and we're actually going to position HP in a better place in front of customers because customers, ultimately, what they want is to work with a partner who has a clear vision for the future, who can bring the innovation at the speed of the business and make it simple. Because, as you and I know, startups are great, but what they lack is scale, they lack go-to-market, and what we don't want, neither the startup or us, is to show up as an independent, you know, kind of doorknobs that they have to put together. We want to give them a solution and integrated experience. One of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast, as I love to teach, uh, I think I would love your thoughts on do you learn more from your successes as a leader or more from your setbacks or challenges? And then secondly, what do you expect of your leaders? If you were giving advice to everyone in this organization who either is a, a manager or a leader, as I prefer to, to address it, they are different terms today, or is crazy enough to want to really move up in a large company and potentially become the next Antonio uh, uh, at a given company. Uh, what are your expectations on that? And a little bit about do you develop more from your challenges or do you develop much more from your successes? Clearly, the successes are more fun to talk about. Yeah. No, actually, uh, it's very simple. You learn more from your failures, right, from your setbacks, because it makes you stronger, it gives you the experience, um, and uh, ultimately, you incorporate that in whatever you do next. 
I have had a remarkable career here at HPE and HPE, um, uh, 25 years. Um, you know, my first job was a call center agent supporting customers on the phone. Um, and, um, you know, and I still have, um, to today, uh, great memories about that first job because it taught me about being customer centric. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are taking 20, 25 calls a day and you are dealing with a, a human being on the other side, uh, that generally, you know, their job is on the line and, you know, you're supporting a mission critical environment and you are in their shoes, you know, how you make sure they get back on their feet quickly because what they're doing really matters. And that's something I carry with me throughout my career. Now, you have to take risks in order to continue to progress. As a leader, you always have to take risks. But as long as you have um, a plan and you have people around you who can support you and you have contingencies, plans in place, it is fine. You're going to make mistakes uh, you're going to learn from it, and you're going to move on. Uh, a great example of this is that, um, you know, this is a personal lesson to me. Um, you know, I took the risk to move from the printing division, which was the most profitable business inside Hewlett Packard, to go to the PC division, which was the, the, the money loser <laughs> business yes. unit yes. after the Compaq uh, merger. And uh, I, it was a lateral move. There was not an up, upward move. It was a lateral move. And I remember at the time, the person asking me, Antonio, we would like you to come here and help us deliver a better experience for our customers because you have a services background, but also take a lot of cost out because we are very inefficient. It proven to be the right decision because eventually it gave me a platform to continue to move on. And, you know, and we returned actually the, the, at the time the uh, HP PC business to become the number one again two years later. So there is lessons about taking risks, putting a plan in place, putting the right people around you, and then obviously leadership is all about execution, as you and I know. Let me maybe wrap up with a, a concept and then just open it for your last thoughts to the audience. If you were teaching them and if you were there 25 years ago receiving your words of wisdom and, and lessons learned, what would it be? But start with uh, Shimon Perez, the late president of Israel and an amazing man that I, I knew for 17 years. Uh, told me, John, leadership is lonely. And at the time, I had 40,000 people reporting to me, and, and we'd gone through nine years of uninterrupted growth, over 65% growth, et cetera. After the 2001 dot-com bubble, I realized what he meant by leadership is lonely. How do you teach leaders to know that leadership is lonely, but how do you keep it in proper perspective? And how do you deal with those self-doubts or the concerns that you might have? And then I'd love for you to wrap it up with you. And if you were on the other side of this listening group, uh, what would be the concept or thoughts you would like to have heard 25 years ago that would have helped you be an even better leader? Yeah. So first of all, I totally resonate with uh, President Simon Perez being lonely. I always said, you know, that um, ultimately when you're in this position, all decisions end with you, right? And so uh, for good or bad, you, you get to do that. And as I said, for me, it's a privilege, you know, be able to be in that position, um, you know, leading this iconic company is just a privilege that, um, you know, I will take for the rest of my life. Um, as you and I know, uh, leadership is all about um, giving a clear direction to, our, to, our, to, to your employees uh, or whatever you're doing, uh, but ultimately is to develop them. And to me, is, as, as a CEO of the company, the biggest, the most important job is succession, succession planning, right? So, um, you know, for me, it's important, whatever I'm done here, 
that this company, number one, is positioned in front of the customers are some, as a company that can take them to wherever they need to go. Number two, that we have the best talent uh, on the planet with the best innovation. And three is, to me, in the end, is all about having fun along the way because you yes. get to do this only if you have fun. It's just not about work all day. When you are innovating and you are accomplishing something so special, you get to do that with fun in mind. And so for me, um, as, a, as I think about um, the, the lessons learned, when I joined HP in 95 and then I went through it, there was always someone who was interested in me that took care of me or was playing an advocate role on my behalf. And we all as a leader have to take one of the 63,000 employees and be an advocate for those employees. We all need mentors. It's hard to get ahead without an advisor and a mentor. Exactly right. So if, you know, normally in an organization like ours, you have six, seven layers, right? And think about the number of managers and leaders you have. Each of them should take one employee or two employees and make sure they coach them, they develop them, because in the end, human beings want to all progress, but also want to be part of a bigger story, part of something that they feel proud about it. And that's why I'm so proud to lead this company that has a clear purpose in mind, which is to advance the way people live and work, and not just you know focus on the business, but focus on what we can do for the society as a whole. Antonio, I want to thank you today for being my first guest on John Chambers Talks, the Mm -hmm. podcast that we're going to do on a regular basis. I can't imagine anyone that could have done a better job. Well, thank you for having me. Friends for life, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh.